Welcome to this episode as we take a deep dive into the book of Acts. We are on chapter 2 of this wonderful book and we hope you enjoy and are blessed by the discussions as much as I am. Do join us now. God bless you. We have been looking at uh, the book of Acts, um, particularly um, Acts chapter 2, where we covered last week verses 1 and down to 6. So we looked at um, the day of Pentecost, um, when they were all gathered in one place. We reinforced last week the importance of the oneness um, the people had of mind and of spirit as they got together to wait on the spirit of the living God to be released upon their lives. Um, in verse two, we took a couple of learnings in that um, the attributes of the spirit of the living God coming upon the people, he came as wind. And when he came, he filled the whole house. And we took some learnings from that, that the filling of the whole house also implies that when he comes into our lives, he does fill us even to the overflow. And we also observed that there was a physical evidence of fire being presented on the heads of people. Um, and we, we had some learnings from that in that when the Holy Spirit does come upon us, even as a people, he does that on an individual level. Um, and as much as he comes over us, um, everybody receives an infilling of him. And here we can see that by the appearing of um, fire on the heads of each and every one of them that were gathered, 120. And when they were filled, there was evidence of them uh, being filled. And we looked at that and the evidence, the physical evidence of that was them speaking in another language. So that's where we left off last week, and we're going to try and cover, if time permits, from verses 6 down to um, 21, but let's see how we do. So without um, further ado, may I kindly ask Asia, if you are in a good place, to read verses 6 down to 21 for us, what we're hoping to cover today. Over to you for a minute. Acts chapter 2, verse 6 to 21. And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused, because everyone heard them speak in his own language. When they were all amazed, then they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Look, are not all these who speak Galileans? And how is it that we hear, each in our own language in which we were born? Parthians and Medes and Elamites, those dwelling in Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya adjoining Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them speaking in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. So they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, Whatever could this mean? 
Others smoking said, they are full of new wine. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. For these are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last day, says God, that I'll pour my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And on my men servants and on my maid servants, I'll pour out my spirit in those days, and they shall prophesy. I'll show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. Verse 21, and it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen. 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 Fantastic. So without wasting much time, um, I would hand over to um, Akosi. I think you're the one present for your group uh, to take us through what your thoughts are on these scriptures or these verses, should I say. And also, if you can touch on some of the leading questions I put in the group. That would be great. Over to you. Okay, so I'll start with my reflections, then I'll go to the question. And the first thing that was interesting for me was from verse 6, because my mind immediately went to Genesis 11. I think it's 11, the one that talks about the Tower of Babel. And it was interesting for me because I drew comparisons with how at the Tower of Babel the people took a decision without God and they were scattered by different languages. So like there was the vision. But here God is in a way using different languages to unite people in him. So it was just interesting how God works or how he chooses to work. Another thing that struck me was in verse 8, again with the different languages that the people that had the influence of the Holy Spirit were speaking and the fact that people from outside could hear the good news in their own languages. For me, it was evidence that God is intentional at ensuring that his word reaches everybody. And with God, nothing is impossible. There's no barrier like language or anything like that. Um, I think there's a verse that says something about him not coming so the word reaches um, the ends of the earth. And I think this is like one of the ways that he's ensuring that that happens. And this portion goes on to list the different kinds of people that had their language, had the gospel being preached in their language. And I took a look at a map. It's it's spread across the known world for that period. I don't think they had explored everywhere, but um, 
as far as they could go, there were people who were hearing their language at this incident. But then, of course, you go to chapter, I mean, verse 13, and you see that some people decided to make fun of the whole situation, decided to mock the apostles. And it was a reminder for me that we'll face people who mock us corners for preaching the gospel. But like the apostles, we shouldn't let it stop us from speaking about Jesus, shouldn't let it deter us from speaking about Jesus. And to the questions, am I still the only one here? To the questions, I'll start with the first one, what drew the multitudes? And I think it was the fact that everybody could hear the message in their own language, despite the fact that the people speaking is varying from those regions. So I'll say that's what drew them, sort of um, a miraculous incident that was happening. And the second question is, what is the purpose of speaking in the spirits? So when we go to verse 11, it says that they are speaking in their various tongues, but then they are testifying of what God has done. But then for the other reasons, my mind goes to Romans chapter 8. I don't remember the exact verse. I think it's verse... Um, 20 okay let me not guess but then in Romans chapter 8 there's a verse that says that the spirit intercedes for us in groanings that cannot be uttered over here this what was happening was groanings that could be uttered like identifiable languages mm. but then um speaking in the spirit can also be in unidentifiable languages and that's the holy spirit interceding on our behalf especially at times where we cannot maybe express something. Mm-hmm. And I think I've answered question three with my last reflection, whether or not some people would be receptive to the gifts of their spirits. Yeah. Some will, and some will mock. Mm-hmm. So that's all for me. Amazing. Some very deep insights there from Nicosia. Yeah. Um, very very um insightful i like the way you compared um the tower of babel experience uh, versus what is happening here and it's the opposite but yet is god working in the same way um and in this instant to bring people um together i also like the fact that you captured um verses 9 and 10 um the scope of cover in terms of the people that were that were touched in this um in this gathering and indeed it was a wide range of people and um, which clearly teaches us that god is is intentional about touching each and every soul and before he come as the word declares that every single every single soul would have heard of him and even at this early stage in the church um beginning and uh, we see this happening um and indeed, uh, down to the last verse, some people would take the message of Christ or take the message of his of the infilling of the spirit and others will reject it. 
Mm. And then so it's, it's, it's a sign of mockery. Um, and what we pray for is that although they mock, they will come to into the truth or come into, into the knowledge of Christ. Mm. I've seen people in my own experience mock God. And then years down the line, um, they've come to know him and taken back uh, their words, so to speak. So although others would mock, our prayer should consistently be that they come into the knowledge of, of Christ. Because those who don't know Christ to, to the words that are spoken is foolishness. As the word of the, the Lord declares in the book of Romans, it's foolishness to them. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's why they mock. Um, in regards to why um, we... The purpose of speaking in tongues, um, I believe Akusia touched on two reasons. And the first one in verse 11 says that um, the tongues that were speaking were declaring the glory of God, the mighty deeds of God. So if we go briefly to um, 1 Corinthians 14, verse 2 to 4, and then verse 22. Mm. It reads that for one who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands, but in his spirit, he speaks mysteries. For one who prophesies speaks to men for edification and exaltation and consolation. One who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but one who prophesies edifies the church. So um, firstly, when we speak in, in, in tongues, we edify ourselves, we build ourselves up in the Holy Ghost. And that, again, is exemplified in or spoken in the book of Jude 120, I believe, where it tells us that when we speak in tongues, it edifies us, it builds us. Now, if you go down to 22, it says that so then tongues are for a sign, not to those who believe, but to unbelievers. But prophecy is for a sign, not for not to unbelievers, but to those who believe. So we see that clearly in the book of Acts that the tongues in which we were speaking was a sign to them that the Lord whom is being spoken about knows them. And so in others speaking a tongue that's unknown to them, others could hear them declaring God as mighty. So as a tongues in this instance is a sign uh, to the unbeliever that the Lord is God. And the second reason being that when we speak in tongues, we edify ourselves and we speak in a known language um, unto God and have a deep conversation with him. And then the third one that Akosia spoke of is that um, when we speak in tongues, obviously it's, 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 a, it's a medium of prayer where the Holy Ghost intercedes um, through us. Um, so these are the three reasons in the word why we speak in tongues and so um if any of us on a platform haven't had um the the chance yet to be to be filled with that spirit of the living god i will encourage you to yearn for it because if you look at it clearly why we speak in tongues is to the advantage of the christian um that you you'll be filled in the spirit of the living god and speak in an unknown language and uh, the advantage is more for us even than the unbeliever. Um, I'll open the floor, though I believe there might be other reasons that you may have seen in scripture why we speak in tongues. But these are the three main reasons um, that I've noted in the word 
why we speak in tongues. So indeed, if you want to add anything else to the verses that Akosia covered, but really, really well done, Akosia. Really powerful points there. And I'll... I have a question. Yes, go for it. So earlier um, yeah, I said that um I said that what was happening in Acts chapter two, the people were speaking in tongues that could be identified like human as um, human language, to put it that way. Does it still happen that way? Yes. Yes. I've I've been in, in church services or watched church services where people speak in tongues and somebody else in the in the congregation they have been spoken to by the word of god in which they have professed um and obviously if there's somebody else in the church that can um sort of uh interpretate that tongues is also much clearer but i've seen that happen before even in today yes and um uh, that's correct so because course the the answer is yes indeed this still happens, uh, as Mitch uh, just um, highlighted. We also do know, and I've had testimonies, really wonderful, amazing testimonies of people who don't know how to, you know, it's like in their whole life, they, they couldn't speak, you know, for example, Chinese or Hindi or, or, or Indonesian or some, you know, or Arabic and so on. And then they begin to speak in tongues and then somebody in church who is able to, or who understands, say, Chinese, as an example, realizes that the person who is sat by them was in their prayer time, they were actually speaking Chinese, you know. So after church, they approach wow. the individual and then they realize that, you know, you know, you, you were speaking Chinese, you know, when in the prayer time and then, you know, actually, no, I... I I don't know how to speak Chinese. I was only praying in tongues. And it's really remarkable. It's really remarkable. But the one beside is able to understand the prayer. In reality, it was the Holy Spirit using the prayer of this individual in Chinese that this other neighbor was understanding to minister to them. You know, And so it is really remarkable uh, what the Spirit of the Lord is able to do uh, in this manner. So yes, these things still happen and they still do okay obviously because our lord hasn't changed he's the same yesterday today and forever and the same spirit of god who worked in the lives of the apostles in what we are reading in acts chapter 2 is the same spirit of god who is at work in us today and so his workings remain amen mm -hmm. so the answer to that is you know a resounding yes you know uh, this this is really amazing now, let me try and capture all that we've, you know, talked about so far together in a, in a bit of, a, if you like, a structured way, you know, for us in a way. So, which is the purpose or, or, or the benefits, even if you like, of speaking in tongues. So, number one, to speak in tongues is not something you do by yourself. It's not something you learn, as we've established in the previous week. The Holy Spirit comes upon you and he gives you that unique prayer prayer language, you know, I should say. Now, we have seen from 1 Corinthians 14 uh, that there are two types of tongues over there, which Apostle Paul has 
try to you know um, make clear. One is, in fact, the previous chapter, which is First Corinthians thirteen verse one, he says, "If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, and I have not love, then I am like a sounding you know brass. That is that is it's like I'm doing nothing because there is no love." He's talking about love there, but the first verse is really insightful, which is there are tongues of men, which we see in Acts chapter two, the one we've just read, the one that humans are able to understand, which, you know, Kuskos, the question Kuskos asked, you know, and the answer is yes, indeed, these things do happen. So, you know, I don't know how to speak Chinese or Greek, you know, or, or Hebrew or something, but all of a sudden when I'm praying and then someone who understands one of these languages would hear me speak in these languages. That is wow. So that would be, although I don't understand it, that would be tongues of men. Yes, that would be, you know, what we would call tongues of men or tongues that men can understand, which we see in Acts chapter two. That is category number one. Now, category number two is what Paul refers to as tongues of angels, or we, we can say tongues that the spirit realm or the angelic hosts, I should say, uh, God and his angels uh, would understand, and that is tongues of angels, or if you like, a language which the human cannot understand, or a human being cannot understand, which Paul refers to over there. And in that one, Paul says, when I speak in tongues, my mind is futile. That is, even I myself don't understand what I am saying, you know. But in the spirit, he says, in the spirit, you speak mysteries. So tongues, those kind of tongues are mysteries in the spirit. Now, you don't understand it. Nobody else in the world understands it. But in the spirit realm, you are speaking mysteries unto God. And that is the kind of, that is the category number two of tongues. So number one, tongues of, tongues of men. Number two, tongues of, of angels, which is mysterious. It's mysteries in the spirit. Okay, benefits. We have listed the number one is for ministry, as we have seen for the benefit of unbelievers, yes, which we see in Acts chapter two. So for ministry, God is able to use that to minister to people who understand or who, who can appreciate the language because, you know, you are speaking their language, as we have seen, you know. Uh, you are in church, you are speaking, but uh, you are speaking in tongues. You think you are speaking in tongues, but actually you are speaking in a language somebody beside you understands. Or you travel abroad uh, and then you are speaking a language in prayer, but actually you are speaking, you know, a language of the people, mm -hmm. uh, you know, that are the locals, the indigents, and then they understand what you're saying. So it is for ministry, you know, that's number one, ministering to people, uh, particularly unbelievers in this instance. Then number two, is what you know Mitch talked about, which is in edifying ourselves. That's what edify is sort of a theological term, it means to build up, yes, to build up in building up yourself, your spirit man, in building yourself up. And we see this in Jude, you know, verse 20, because the book of Jude is only one chapter, yes. So Jude verse 20, or Jude 120, you know, as we will see, which is build up yourselves on your most holy faith, speaking in the Holy Spirit. That is speaking in, in tongues, speaking in the Holy Ghost, as the King James would say. So that is in edification of the spirit. Yes, edification. That's you know reason number two or benefit number two, I should say. You know, edification uh, of the of, of 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 your spirit. Number three, 
is the one that Koskos you mentioned in your in your discussion, Romans chapter eight verse twenty six, where we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, as the Bible says. Then then he then the Bible continues and says, but the Spirit makes intercession mm -hmm. on our behalf mm -hmm. with groanings which cannot be offered. Mm -hmm. Now, the Holy Spirit takes over and he begins to pray through us. He's helping our infirmities. Mm -hmm. He's helping our weaknesses, our inability to, to, to put language to our needs and to God. The Holy Spirit within us begins to take over and you, you are not even sure what you are saying. You are just groaning you know, in your spirit. And the spirit of God himself has taken over. And that is a, as a prayer prayer language or as, as a praying aid, you know, I should say. So these three, you know, broad, if you like, categorizations of benefits uh, means that as we have heard, we must appreciate tongue speaking. And if you don't speak in tongues, we need to desire and really be hungry for that because it would boost your Christian work. Mm. It will help in your Christian living and in your prayer life, you know, in your in your praying life. Uh, it is of incredible benefit and you don't want to miss out on this. And the spirit of the Lord is ready to baptize you, to fill you with that unique gift once you desire it. Amen. Amen. I have a question. So we we know that as as beings we are spirit man. We have a soul, um, and we live in the body. So um, with these discussions, what is the advantage of building the spirit man? Why why would you want to build the spirit man? Why would you want to build your soul? Why would you want to build your body? Um, let's look at all of these verses. What's the advantage of building your spirit? Has anybody got any I, I, ideas or um, scripture evidence for the advantage mm. of uh, building your spirit, man, which the Holy Ghost is is there, is is has been released for you and I that He might He might equip us for this to be effective or done um, for our own good. What is what is the advantage of building the spirit, man? Mm. Good question. What do we think? Who wants to give it a thought? Man is a spirit. He has a soul and he lives in a body. Yes. Uh, we are spirit. We have a soul and we live in a body. What is called a tripartite man. So why do we, why must we build these three aspects of our, of our being? You know? I want to answer it. But before I answer, I wanted to say something to Akusia's question. Um, I read a testimony somewhere. I was even trying to look for the writer, but I wasn't having access to it. And it was about a man of God that went to Volta region in Ghana to preach. And he didn't have, unfortunately for him, he didn't have an interpreter. Or should I say fortunately? He didn't have an interpreter. So it, he didn't know how he was going to preach. And it was a crusade. He was an evangelist. But he went on the platform or the podium and he started praying. And to him, he was praying in tongues. By the time he realized, people were crying and coming forward for altar call. Meaning, the tongues he was speaking, he was ministering the gospel 
to the people who had gathered there. And even and by the time he realized people had given their lives to Christ. So this is a typical testimony that what happened in Acts chapter two is still happening in present day. Amen. And also to Pastor Michelle's question, um, as we as you put it initially, man is a spirit that lives that has a soul and lives in the body. And so the even though we are tripartite, as Pastor put it, but then the main, the main, I don't know, how to, I don't know, I'm trying to find the right word. The main branch is <laughs> the spirit. And it's the spirit that has communion with God. So the benefits of building a spirit is to stay in tune with God. Because then if we are not in tune with God, who's going to direct our steps each day. We will not yield to his will. I think this can be backed with Romans chapter 12. Let me, Romans chapter 12, verse 2. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So if we do not build our spirit, we cannot stay in tune with God and be able to live his will. That is, that is what I believe by, that's what I believe we, there is the need to build that spirit on a day-to-day basis. Amen. Man. Absolutely spot on. Um, thank you, Isia, for that. Um, any other reason? Any other reason? Now, the soul is a very strong aspect of the human being. So your soul consists of your emotions, your mind, your thoughts, uh, your worries. That's where all the worries come out of. And it's a very, I would say, dominant part of the human being. Um, so if we are not building the spirit man and we'll leave the soul to do as it, it wills, um, we can just imagine what our lives would be. So again, for just the last answer, what is the advantage of building the spirit man versus, let's say, building your soul or spending time building your body, which is just a house that houses the soul and the spirit? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Could I'd you... like to um, add this to it. Um, I believe there is. Um, it's very important to build your um, your soul, your mind, your will, your wish, because I believe one aspect of um, salvation, I mean, in addition to your spirit being saved, has to do with your emotions being saved. Um, why am I saying this? I'm saying this because as human as we are, um, we have human tendencies. That is why sometimes um, someone could do something to you I mean, it, it, it's very painful. And you see, you are faced with the challenge of you forgiving the person and then also forgetting what has happened. And that is what we call the emotional salvation. Or for instance, maybe someone has been with a boyfriend for some time and for no reason, um, maybe um, they fell out 
or there was a broken heart along the way. And so anytime that he remembers that boyfriend, he's angry or she's angry. Anytime he remembers that person, it's like, um, uh, 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 he feels like he has to kill the person or hurt the person. Uh, that, that, this, this particular situation calls for emotional salvation, but your emotions are still vulnerable. They have still not been, you know, they are not in a place where they can say, I have let it go. So I believe the journey between yourself and telling yourself that I have let it go is, is what I would um, um, classify as emotional salvation. And I believe it's very, very important for everyone. Amen. Amen. Right. So um, let me try to um, wrap it in a, uh, in a way that will bring it together again. The spirit soul body which makes you and i up which makes us you know humans or, or who what we are as humans spirit soul body uh with the spirit you interact with the spiritual realm mm. number one so you interact with god yes as a christian if you're a christian then you interact with god with your spirit if you you worship other gods you interact with them Yes, with your spirit. With your spirit, you interact with the spiritual realm. Okay. With the soul, uh, you interact with the intellectual realm. Uh, now, the soul comes, the word soul, silky. I'm not sure I pronounce that word, word well in the Greek. It's from that word that we have the English word psyche, and therefore psychology, and so on and so forth you know, the mind. So with the soul, you interact with, you know, the mental realm, yes, where you've got emotions, you've got feelings, you've got, you know, uh, uh, your worries and anxieties and your, you know, your thoughts and so on in your soul. So with the soul, you interact with the mental realm or the intellectual realm. Then with the body, you interact with the physical realm your touch, your sense of smell, and so on and so forth. Yes, you interact with, with the physical realm. Okay. Now, as Pastor Mish said, if you leave the soul to run amok, if you leave the soul, then you, you are likely to become an emotional wreck because your, your, your mind will be what rules over you and your emotions, your feelings, your you know, all these things that occur at the soulish realm will begin to rule over you. And, you know, you, you react emotionally to things. Uh, when you should be reacting to things by the word of God, you are reacting to things by how you feel. Now, remember, Paul says, we do not walk by sight. We walk by what? By faith. Faith is a spiritual thing. And so we must move beyond the physical realm and the, and the you know, soulish realm and begin to really build our spirit. Because as Isia mentioned earlier on, your spirit is the real you, the, you know, the real you. And so you want to ensure that you build the real you up so you can have control over your, your soul. In... Hebrews 4.12, we learn that the Bible says that God's word is a two-edged sword. 
which cuts asunder soul and spirit. Now, why is that so? Because the soul and the spirit are very closely aligned together. So God's word is that which is able to cut it asunder, to separate one from the other. In other words, God's word is what is able to mature the spirit so that it can overcome or control the soul. And so we need to build the spirit up to empower our spirit man so it can have control over our souls or our soulish, you know, uh, man, if you, if, if you like. Otherwise, um, you, you will be an adult, but you will be a child, you know, in essence. You are grown in age, but you are, you are still a child, you know, in, um, in your reaction to situations and so on and so forth. And so it is something we all have to trust the Lord for by his Holy Spirit and by imbibing the word, feasting on the word, because that is the sword of the spirit. And the, which is able to help mature uh, the spirit so that we can grow our relationship with God, as Isaiah mentioned earlier on. And of course, why must we build the soul? We must build the soul also because we must grow as whole persons. Yes, we must grow emotionally. We must grow, you know, mentally. We must grow, you know, in our feelings. We must grow uh, and so on. Love, for example, love is a choice. Yes, you choose to love someone. You know, uh, uh, you don't, you don't, um, you don't love by accident. You, it's a choice. God chose. We were unlovable. Yeah. We were unlovable whilst we were yet sinners. The Bible says, whilst we were yet sinners, God, God loved us. Christ died for us. Yes, His love made Him die for us whilst we were yet sinners so we were unlovable we were in sin and god made a choice i choose to love my enemies we were his enemies i choose to love my enemies i choose to love sinners and i will come and die for them so love is a choice and so at the soulish realm when you grow emotionally at the soulish realm you can be emotionally mature to be able to make decisions that make us whole people. Why must we, you know, uh, train the body? That one is obvious, isn't it? The Bible says bodily exercise profiteth a little. So you, you know, it, there's a profit to 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 building the body. There's a profit to exercising the body. There is a profit to that. Uh, why you know you you keep healthy? Yes, because it is a house. There's a house we live in, the physical house we live in. So we've got to keep it healthy. We've got to exercise it. We've got to train it, you know, uh, and so on. So that we can continue to achieve what God wants us to achieve. Whilst we are interacting with the physical realm, mm. we must keep the house we live in clean. And the house we live in, we must keep it well and healthy. You know, it means we must watch what we eat. You don't eat anyhow, or you know, you don't make food your God. You don't make your stomach your God. The Bible says, "Food for the stomach, the stomach for food." God will destroy them both. You know, so you don't make food your, you know, otherwise you become very unhealthy. Uh, uh, eat, we live. We eat to live. We eat to live. Yes. We don't live to eat. Yeah, exactly. You know, and so on. So 
we must eat well, eat healthily. I should say, eat healthily and exercise healthily. You know, it also you know goes as far as saying you know, don't over exercise. Yes, it's also good. A good you know, it's also good advice, isn't it? Don't over exercise and don't under exercise. Just exercise rightly. You know. <laughs> Importantly, just train, you know, uh, let the Lord help us. Amen. Amen. All right. So we'll move on and we'll try and cover a few more verses before we wrap up for the evening. So uh, verses 14 to 15, um, uh, 14 starts with uh, Peter's sermon at Pentecost. Uh, we could say it's Peter's discourse to the people that were before him. And my observations here is that... Um, at the outpouring of the spirit of the living God, we see some boldness come upon the disciples. So it says that by Peter taking a stand with the eleven, so it means they all stood um, to speak to the people, raised his voice and declared to them, men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, let us be known to you and give heed to my words. I believe we've covered this quite a number of times that with the coming of the spirit of the living God upon any believer, gives them confidence it gives them that spirit for them to be outspoken um in the old testament we see this quite uh, we saw this quite frequently in particular with the judges when the spirit of the lord came upon them they received some strength they received some boldness like they never had before and we see that um rest upon these apostles what's between the old and the new the old testament let's remember that the spirit of the living god came upon people and that was lifted in this instance, when the spirit of the Lord has come upon these disciples and indeed us, it has come to rest upon us. So that confidence and that that boldness with which uh, he comes with or gives us, that should be consistent in our walk uh, with him and our walk for him and how we express him onto others. It goes on to say, for these men are not drunk. And these were the words of Peter and the, and the apostles, as you suppose, for it was only the third hour of the day. Again, we read not a couple of verses above that they were being mocked um, because they thought the disciples were had drunk wine. And the third hour spoken about here is about 9 a.m. in the morning. So indeed, uh, Peter was justifying to the people that this what what they are seeing happening is not is not drunkenness. It's actually being filled with the spirit of the living God. And then he goes on to speak about the prophecies that were spoken of in the old that have come um into fulfillment here. And on that note, I'm just going to hand over to the next group, um, which consists of uh, Kojo, Asia, and Pastor Glow. I'll start with Asia first, just to give us your, your view of the verses 16 to 21. And I'll go to Kojo and finally Pastor Glow. And you have three minutes each as we've got 10 minutes. So over to you, first of all, Asia. No pressure. <laughs> this one is special. <laughs> anyway... <laughs> Um, in answer to the first question, this can be found. The scripture is found in Joel chapter two, verse twenty-eight to thirty-two. Yeah, and one thing that this is teaching me is that, as I said in the book of Isaiah, um, no word of the Lord that goes forth will come back to him void. Who accomplish everything he instructed his word to accomplish because this had been this had this word had been spoken in 
Joel, by Prophet Joel, but here is where it's being manifested and it is still being manifested in our days. Mm -hmm. So this, this, it's teaching me to trust the word of God for his word is very potent to perform. It won't go back to him void. He'll perform everything he sends forth his word to perform. And then my next comment is, I have one minute, right? My next comment is on the verse 21, which says, And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Um, what's, what I want to, what the, the comment I want to make about this is that salvation is ready for all. It's ready for everyone. It's, and this, this is reinforced by the Lord's word in Second Peter chapter three, verse eight, and I read. Sorry, verse nine. The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And the key word here is all. All should come to repentance. So salvation is made available to all, and anybody who calls. And the name of the Lord will receive salvation. Amen. Amen. Bless you, Asia, for those great insights. I'll move very quickly to Kojo um, and then Pastor Glow before we do a wrap up. Over to you, Kojo. Any insights on? Yeah. Um, thank you, Pastor. So, um, the Bible makes mention of um, God falling out of spirit. You know, let's take note of this. The Bible mentioned the sons. Bible mentioned daughters. The Bible mentioned men and mentioned old women and even came down to mention maidens and, 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 and servants. You see, what this tells us is that at every point in our lives, God is calling us. There is nothing like um, one seed, you are forever saved. Because as human as you are, like I've always said, at the point in life, you may drift off. Maybe when you were young, you drifted off, but now you are old. That salvation power or that spirit that is able to convert you for you to, you know, see the salvation of, of God is still calling. Maybe um, you, you irrespective of, and I believe that he made mention of servants and, and, and maidens for, 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 for us to know that it, it irrespective of your political position or your 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 status in life the spirit of god is still calling you so however you see yourself wherever you see yourself you are still subject to the call and that call is still being made and that call is always being made at every point in time that we will submit ourselves the bible says that when you read the story of the prodigal son the bible says that when the father the son left the house. The Bible said that the son went to stand outside and he was waiting for the son to come back. He was waiting in the morning, waiting in the evening. So the Bible said when the son came back, he didn't even ask him any questions. What happened? What happened? He just received him and threw a big party for him because he saw it as the son had seen the light and had been, you know, saved from all the distractions and all the things that were, you know, preventing him from gaining that salvation. Amen. 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 Wonderful, wonderful insight there, Kojo. And lastly, um, due to time, I'll just hand to Pastor Glow. Over to you, my dear. Okay. Um, 
some of the questions have been answered. I'll just um go on going to my reflections on these verses. Um so Peter quoted um quoted the scripture from Joel to explain what was taking place. Obviously the people were trying to figure out what is going on. Um so he was explaining um what was actually taking place by using that um prophecy. He was also referring to the power that Joel spoke of and not the fulfillment of the prophecy, because I believe that the fulfillment of that prophecy had just begun on Pentecost. It was not fulfilled fully on Pentecost, but it had just begun because the Spirit of God has been poured out on his servants, on his children. And then it just calls to show, um, to show for that anyone can also receive the Spirit of God as far as you receive Christ. And another thing that I see um, here is Peter applies his prophecy to um, the experience of the audience. Then what he did is he immediately goes into why his listeners need to repent because they killed their own Messiah. So he's um, pointing it out why they need repentance by using that um, prophecy as well. And lastly, with the coming of the spirits, um, those who follow Jesus have the ability to hear from God through the most common form of communication. That is by receiving the spirit of God in you, by receiving Jesus in you. So it means, um, it also means that the word of God is not now, it's not limited to just going into the temples or to churches or anything. It's not just there that you can hear the word of God as Peter is outside, you know, preaching, but everywhere so the word of god can now be here um everywhere that you go because when the spirit is in you mm. then the word of god is everywhere now so each one of us can have a two-way conversation with god when we have received the spirit so that is why he was trying to point out to the believers that it's not before that everyone has to come to jerusalem to the temple but then receive Jesus and that spirit is within you and you can worship and pray and read the word everywhere you are. Amen. That's all I see. Brilliant. Brilliant. Thank you so much everybody for your insights on these verses. I hand over to Pastor to just wrap up for us for those um eight verses or so and then I'll hand out the verses for next week. Oh what a blessing. You know what a blessing this time in the word has been. And um, yes, indeed, very beautifully captured thoughts in, in these, um, you know, few verses. And, uh, you know, there's really nothing I can uh, say to even stretch it. Um, but just to again encourage us that when Peter received the gift of the Holy Spirit, the Bible said he rose up and he preached the gospel. And so as Christians, having received the gift of the Holy Spirit, we also ought to rise up and preach the gospel mm. wherever, you know, we are, as Glow mentioned earlier on, not just in the, not just behind the lectern, you know, in church, but really on the streets, at our various workplaces, uh, on the bus or wherever we, we find ourselves or when the opportunity arises as it did for Peter we ought to take that opportunity and speak the gospel 
Now we do see how that the Holy Spirit empowered him. Now this was the same Peter who was, you know, <laughs> who was scared mm. when a little girl said, you were one of his disciples. And Peter said, no, 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 I don't even know that man Jesus, you know, and he denied the Lord. Three times he did. Is this same Peter who is now rising up with such boldness uh, before a crowd of more than 3,000 people to, to preach the gospel? And so you and I can also depend on the boldness that comes from the Holy Spirit, the empowerment that comes from the Holy Spirit to be able to, to preach the gospel when the Lord gives us the opportunity to do so. And that is what I want to leave with us this evening. And God bless you for joining us. And we hope to see you again in the coming week. I hope you were blessed by the discussions that we've had today regarding the Holy Spirit and his work in the life of the Christian. If you are listening to this podcast and you have not given your life to Jesus, I want to throw this invitation for you. Jesus loves you. And you've got to remember that Jesus loves you. It is for which cause he died on the cross for humanity, which includes you and I. If you want to receive him as Lord and Savior, please pray this prayer after me. Dear Lord, forgive me my sin. I recognize I cannot save myself. I trust in you today. I repent of all my ways. And I declare today that Jesus is my Lord and Savior. I believe he died on the cross for me. And on the third day, he raised again from the dead. So that if I trust in him, I also rise into newness of life. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. I declare today I no longer belong to the world. I belong to Jesus. I repent and I declare today I am a child of God. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God bless you once again. Do contact us on Instagram or on our website, uklsi.org, and we are here to be of help to you on your Christian journey. God bless you. Share this podcast, and let's see you again in the next one. Bye-bye.